believe he has a word for us. I believe he has a word for you. Amen. I believe he had a word for me, so I'm just going to share it with you. I believe that God gives current manna. Everybody say current manna. You know, the word of God is true. It will never pass away. The Bible says his word will never pass away. But I, I believe, and from experience, I've found that God has a current word for each one of us every day. And that word gives life to us, just like the manna for the children of Israel. So uh, if you haven't heard a current word for your life, I believe you will before you leave here tonight. Amen. Something that's going to take you through where you're at right now. And uh, I want to pray, and I'm going to share a word with you about the land of milk and honey. Uh, something God's really been speaking to me. And, and I know, you know, I've read through the Bible lots of times. I do it every year in different translations. And God, uh, his word is amazing how it comes to life. And you can read it over and over and still get something new out of it. Some books you can read once or twice, but you know, about the third time you, you know it. But the word of God continues to come to life every time we read it. And I believe tonight this word that we're going to hear is going to bring life to you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every person here. I thank you that they're here by divine appointment. I believe you brought them here. I believe they come with a hunger to hear from your spirit tonight. So I ask you, Holy Spirit, to take the words that I speak and make them life to them. It says that the the word of God is living. It is alive and it can change. So I ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, for change in every heart tonight that we would not leave here the way we came in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Well, we're going to start in Genesis, and uh, I'm not going to read the whole Bible tonight to you, but I'm going to cover some things, but I'm going to do it quickly, okay? In Genesis chapter 17, you know, Abraham uh, was the, the first man that uh, God brought out of his own country and said, I'm going to take you into something new. Everybody say something new. And you've never been here before, and you've never experienced it before, but I'll be with you, and I am going to bless you. I'm going to bless those that are with you. I'm going to bless those that you come into contact with. And the curse will not be in your life. Everybody say, that's good news. That he, that he was going to be taken care of by God. It's in Genesis chapter 12, and I'm paraphrasing it, but he called him out, basically, of what was darkness and brought him into light. But it was new. He had never been there before. And if you read Genesis, you see a lot of the opportunities he had in those new places. I believe God's getting ready to do a lot of new things in our lives. And I believe as we look at this, then we can look at the new covenant we're in and see how this applies to us. That's what God's been speaking to me. And I teach covenant in our Bible school. I study covenant. I love the covenant and and how God so amazingly made a way to take care of me. In his power and his anointing, nothing to do with me. And that's good news because I don't know how to do everything. But he knows how to do everything. So it says in Genesis six seventeen, he makes this covenant with Abraham. And he says uh, that he's going to make a covenant. He's going to change his name in that covenant, which is part of a covenant ceremony. But we're not going to go into that tonight. And I want to start in verse 6. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. Would you say everlasting? To be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger. All the land of Canaan as an ever 
everlasting possession. Everybody say that. Everlasting possession. And I will be their God. That's the descendants. Not only will I be your God, I will be your descendants, God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. God is a generational God. I mean, when he makes a promise, it's not just for you. It's for the lineage that will come from your life. And that's really important today because when we think about ourselves all the time, we, we don't realize sometimes that everything about our life is going to affect generations following our life. And if we can get our focus on that, like God did, you know, uh, things that I did in my life have affected my children. No question. Uh, you know, uh, Pastor John still keeps some things in a box, I think, getting ready to go at instant notice, you know, because, yeah, he's ready to move. He's got the important things in a box. That comes from me as his mother because there was a season in my life where I didn't know what I was doing. Probably none of you have ever been there. But I was there, and, you know, I, I made rash decisions. And, but there were three little children that had to follow me in my rash decisions. And so he became accustomed, the, the personality he is, to just being ready in case. And so he had all his prized possessions. So when I'd say, we're going, he'd say, I'm ready. I got my box. And so, you know, those things affect generations. We don't think about it. I didn't think about it at the time. I'm just thinking about my life and it's not working and I need to do something about it. And later I realized, all the effects of all of that. Well, God saw that from the beginning. And so he said, I'm going to make a promise to you. Abraham had no children. I'm going to make a promise to you. And it's a covenant. It it means I'm never going to change my mind. It's everlasting. I will never change my mind about you and and the people that will come from you. I will never change my mind. Turn to somebody and say, that's good news. How many of you glad God never changed his mind about you? Hallelujah. And so he was, he was doing this on purpose. It says in Genesis 15, he cuts this covenant with him. And there's a few things I want to look at there because, you know, God knows what, even what's coming down the line. He knows what's ahead for you. And it says uh, in verse 13 of chapter 15, then he said to Abraham, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them for 400 years. Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about Egypt. He's talking about after Joseph is there to take care of them, that there's going to come persecution in that land. Now, this is way ahead of Joseph. This is something that God knows about. But how many of you know when Joseph got into that situation, that was a whole new thing for him. I mean, he had to experience what it was to take those people or be the bridge between what God was doing with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had to be that bridge that took it to Moses. And then there'd be 400 years. God's already talking about that. When he's making this covenant, he says, this is going to happen. And then he says, and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge afterward, and they will come out with great possessions. Listen, the children of Israel went to their neighbors and God told them, ask them for their possessions. This is Abraham. This isn't Moses. This is Abraham. So when God makes covenant, he's already made provision for everything that's going to take place all the way down line, all the way down line into the descendants. That's why he likes to be known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What he's saying, I'm a generational God. And what I say lasts. It does not change because I am God and I do not change. Isn't that good news? I mean, if you just heard that tonight, 
God does not change his mind about you, no matter what you do. I mean, you study the leaders that God chose. They were not all perfect, none of them. But God chose them, and he stuck with them as long as they stuck with him, as long as they stayed connected to him. If you read in Exodus, if you turn to Exodus, we get to Moses, and I'll show you exactly that same scripture in Exodus 3. It says, and, and there's this land, this land they're going to inherit is a land that God says will flow with milk and honey. Everybody say milk and honey. That's what I'm talking tonight, the land of milk and honey. And he says in verse 8 of Exodus 3, he's talking to Moses. He says he's heard the cries of his people. And then he says, so I've come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians. This is what he had told Abraham he was going to do. And he says, and I'll bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, all the ites. Ites are not good. You don't want to hook up with the ites. That's just the bottom line of this. And so he said, I'm going to take them into this land. And he talks all the time about how he's going to give it to them. Everybody say, give it to them. I mean, he doesn't, he, he just says, I'm going to give this land to you. He, he talks to them about in verse 22. Listen to this. He says in verse 21, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you will not go out empty handed. Every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house. I don't know why I sent the women to ask, but I guess we got a lot of boldness to go and ask our neighbors. Articles of silver, articles of gold, clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. Everybody say, that's what Abraham said. See, that's, that's, that's what God told Abraham. That's what Abraham knew. God's going to do this. This is 400 years, you know, in bondage, and then this is going to happen. God has not forgotten about you. That's why it's not over. And it's never finished in our life because it's finished in the kingdom of God that we're going to see the end of what we have been promised. Say, this is good news. Now, if you're here tonight and, and you're struggling in an area, this is really important. Because uh, I, I know I was glad when I figured that out, that God wasn't done with me. Because I was pretty much done with myself. <laughs> Have you ever been done with yourself? <laughs> I am done with you. Hallelujah. But God never gives up. He doesn't ever stop. And in Joshua, when it finally gets to Joshua, it says, um, I just want to read this other scripture in Exodus 23, because uh, by the time we get to Joshua, all this starts being fulfilled. He says in Exodus 23, uh, 23, 23, for my angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. In other words, I haven't forgotten what I've promised and I'm going to take care of this. And then he goes on down and he says, I will send hornets before you, which will drive out these people. I will drive them out before you in one year. I will not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field become too numerous for you. Pastor John said this scripture last week, little by little, I'll drive them out before you until you've increased and you inherit the land. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. We have to increase to inherit everything that's in the land of milk and honey. We have to increase. Because if we get it before we're ready, then there, we're not going to be able to survive the mass uh, 
abundance that God has for us because we're not going to have the faith to get it and contain it. And so we, it's little by little. Everybody say little by little. And that's why so many people give up. You know, they're, they, they're singing the song, it is finished. It's over. But that's because they haven't recognized it's little by little. Everybody say little by little. You know, God is not done with us, but he is increasing us all the time so that we can take possession of the land of milk and honey. So when Joshua came, Joshua had spent lots of time in the presence of God. If you study his trip with Moses, uh, even at sometimes it says Moses left the tabernacle, but Joshua stayed there. Uh, Joshua was getting, he was being prepared to actually take possession of the promised land. When the children of Israel failed, I don't believe that caught God by surprise. But he had two men, Joshua and Caleb, and you know the story. They ended up going into the promised land. But when you look at Joshua, it says in Joshua, let's look at Joshua 3, 1 through 4. It says, Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. Everybody say, crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, everybody say the Covenant. What does that covenant say? I've known about this from the very beginning. This is exactly what I said was going to happen. Now, you know, you've got, to, you've got to understand what covenant is, so that's why I took you all the way to the beginning. See, this covenant is not something God just thought up one day. This is something that he has done on purpose. And so he's made this provision for them. So he's saying, now the covenant, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. You can't go after something that God has not covenanted with you. But when God is covenanted, then he will take you into that place. And he says, yet there will be a space. Everybody say a space. Between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. This was a real key for them. They had to stay far enough back and leave God in the lead. Everybody say, let God lead. (laughs) That they could see where he was going so that they didn't get ahead of God They weren't trying to do something in their own strength. And and that's why there's a lot of failures in the plans of God. Even though it may be God's time for something, uh, occasionally, sometimes people get ahead of what God is trying to do. Pastor John, you know, and Corey both said it, timing. Everybody say timing. And the timing of God is critical because God knows when he can take the land and you're ready to take it with him. You know, God, I think, is always ready, but we have to be ready to do what God's asking us, just like he said, little by little. And in some of our lives, you know, there's this tendency to want to just throw in the towel when we really are right, ready to cross over. We're right at that threshold. Like that song says, you're, you're right there. Don't, don't stop right now because it's, it's about to happen. And I believe in this church. I mean, I said it in Mexico. God just gave me this. I was talking to these ladies. And I said, you know, the Holy Spirit on the inside of us has his foot on the gas pedal. And we got our foot on the brake. And so the whole vehicle's going. Because I think God's ready. But I think that we have let our foot off the brake. And we've said, come on, God, we're ready. 
Say, we're ready. What does that mean? Well, we're going to have to stay back far enough that we can see where God's going so we don't go faster than he goes because there's going to be such momentum. God said to me that what's about to happen has to stay in the spirit because it'll be so easy to get in the flesh because it's going to be so exciting. And how many of you know exciting causes people to want to, you know, get ahead of, have you ever gotten excited? <laughs> Run right past God and then got out there and thought, Where, where'd he go? Hallelujah, he's nowhere around. <laughs> you know, you've, you've gotten ahead of him just a little bit. That's, the, we're there, we're at that threshold. And, and I really feel like God has said, just stay back far enough because you have not been here before. See, every time God does something new, you've not been there before, you're going to have to stay back and, and watch for him to take you across that place. And he takes you across with the covenant. Everybody say the covenant. Because it's a promise. It's a promise, whatever that is to you. How many of you have some promises, you know, and you've, you'd like to cross over, but you haven't, you know, you haven't crossed over yet. See, in my life, there have been many crossover times, many crossover times. And uh, so this isn't a one-time experience. Every time we start into something new, we have to cross over. And when you cross over, you've got to keep the covenant ahead of you. Otherwise, you can get discouraged. You can become fearful. And, and when those things happen, you want to shrink back. Now, what God had begun to say to me recently and for the offerings, he had said to me, you have already inherited the land of milk and honey through, through the blood of Jesus Christ, what we celebrated and computed. We inherited it. Everybody say inherited it. See, this isn't about our works. This isn't about how good we are or that we attend church or any of those reasons. The only reason we have inherited the covenant we're in, the new covenant, is because of the blood of Jesus. So this isn't a performance thing. This is just simply a gift of grace that God has given us. Now, because we've inherited it does not mean we've possessed it. And that's what God began to say to me. See, it, it, revelation brings possession. And uh, in the mentoring classes, they're talking about, you know, revelations of freedom. You know, when you get a revelation of something in the word of God, it frees you to possess because it brings with it faith that you can possess. Uh, you know, you know, you may not even, I mean, in the beginning, I didn't know that I could do the things that I do today. I mean, I, I thought that I'd been disqualified from most anything that I would do and uh, certainly never thought about pastoring a church. I mean, I was just looking for a good man who would love me. <laughs> and I found him. He's right over here in the front row. If you're listening by tape or CD or whatever you listen by today, the Internet, uh, you know, Pastor Bill came into my life, and, and I thought, you know, this is it. You know, I mean, praise God. But there was a whole lot more that came with him. Hallelujah. And, uh, and he didn't even know what that was. You know, we neither one expected God to do with us what he did. But, you know, he had made a covenant in our lives way when we were younger. And, and he wasn't forgetting about it. Uh, but, but we had to get ready to cross over all those times that we crossed over. And uh, some of those crossovers were difficult. Uh, and some of them were not as difficult. But every time we had to make a decision that God is going to be the person who leads us into this place, not us. And so I just say to you tonight, I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about you possessing the land of milk and honey in your life. Um, and, and this is a word that God just really began to speak to me. In Matthew 6, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. Now, the reason he adds righteousness is because the kingdom of God is not based on you. It's based on your righteousness in Christ Jesus. And so that's why he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. What's the promises of God that are in this book, the kingdom that we're now translated and live in? Seek first those things and his righteousness. What that say? You can have it because of Jesus. That's basically what that scripture is saying. And then once you have that understanding, all these things will be added unto you. That's, that's kind of where God started with me. He started with me in Isaiah 54 and he said, expand your, your borders, you know, and, and get ready, I believe for increase. But I didn't understand back then I was barely surviving. But when he said that, he also then took me to do not take thought for your life. That's what it said in the King James. Do not take thought for your life. And, you know, when you're a single mom with three kids, you're thinking, if I don't take thought, who, who, <laughs> who's going to take thought for my life? But God said, no, you can't take thought for your life because I've taken thought for your life. And when you don't take thought for it anymore, then you'll be able to be what I've called you to be. When you're thinking about yourself all the time, you're going nowhere. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's, that's true. See, when you're thinking about what's ahead of you, when you're thinking about that promise of God, the Ark of the Covenant, then you're, you're moving toward that, not who you are. You're moving toward who you are in him, but not who you are in yourself. And so that's the way God started training me. And just recently, I was, you know how God will just show you something in the word you've never seen. I know Hebrews chapter chapter 4. How many of you, Hebrews chapter 4 is about the children of Israel. They didn't inherit the promise because they didn't believe. And it says, if you want to enter the rest, you have to believe. And then in Hebrews 4, if you could put that up for me, I, I didn't highlight it there, but if you could find it, Sandy. Um, see, God always tells you how he's going to do something. And he says, be diligent to enter the rest. And he says, for the word of God is living and powerful. Everybody say living and powerful sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. But then the very next verse is, seeing then that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And God said to me, that's the word and the spirit. And I put them right together. And that is the way that you enter the rest. The word comes and begins to separate on the inside of us what's flesh and what's spirit what's really God, what's going to take us into the promised land and what's going to cause us to possess it, you know, as we march through and, and what falls off in our promised land. We have battles. How many of you have had a few battles, you know, trying to gain possession of your promised land? We have battles with fear. You know, we don't have the same battles that Joshua did with armies, but we have powers and principalities to go in and possess this land that God has set before us. There is not a thing lacking in your life. Everybody say, I lack nothing. That's the truth. That's the truth. When I got Jesus, he told me this. <laughs> when I was a mess in my life, alone with three kids, way away from all family, he said, when you got me, you got everything. I thought, wow, we are really in trouble here. We do not have much. And he said, no, you got everything. I had no clue what that meant. 
I, I get more revelation every year that I'm saved. When I got him, I got everything. I inherited the land of milk and honey. I inherited everything God had for me. And, you know, the children of Israel managed to do what God told them. They, they had a few things they didn't accomplish, but it says not one word that God promised them was lost. That's why it's not finished for you. I'm telling you, not one word that God has said that comes to you through the covenant of God can you not possess. You can possess them all. But these things that the word of God comes and, you know, like Pastor John said Sunday about whacking off the flesh. How many of you have ever had that hat? You know, that's the word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. But it doesn't say it kills you. It says it's living and it brings life. But we also come to get that stuff whacked off into the presence of God where there's grace and mercy to accomplish everything we need to inherit those promises that God has for us. You know, when I was new and walking in the Lord, um, I was very fearful. And uh, God had to take care of that in my life for me to possess the land that he had before me. And, uh, and he had a way to do that. But it wasn't the, pleasant, the most pleasant way, but it worked in my life. It changed me. And you know what it did? And this is where God began to speak to me again recently. It opened another room in my heart. You know, um, God said to me, I, have you ever said to God, just take that out of my heart and then I'll be all right. And uh, I've said that to God before. And you know what he said? You know, I can't take that out of your heart. It happened. I can't take it out. It, it's It's there. And, and it made sense to me because uh, Dr. Carolyn Leaf wrote a book. And she said, memory cannot be taken away, but a new memory can be built. And God said to me, this was just recently. He said, I can't take that out of your heart. I put it there. And it will forever be there because that's, that's your assignment. However, I'd like to build a new room. <laughs> Everybody say build a new room. I'd like to build a new room. And, uh, and then I'd like you to decorate it. I thought, well, why don't you, de- you know me, B.B., I can't decorate anything. I thought, well, you decorate it. You know, I would like it if somebody would buy all my clothes, decorate my, I mean, I don't, I don't get any of that. But, you know, if it just all showed up at my house, that'd be fine with me. I am not, you know, just make me look nice. And I tell Daniel on the camera, make me look thinner if possible. But, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not real caught up in all that, but, but I do know that, I, I do know when I'm hearing God about something he wants to do in my life. And, and he began to speak to me. He said, now, this is the way it works. The word of God brings faith. Everybody say faith. And when I want to add another room in your house, what I'm saying is you're going to possess another part of the land of milk and honey. And, and this room is going to bring prosperity to your life you know the bible says beloved i wish above all things that you'd prosper even as your soul prospers your soul will never prosper till your heart embraces it and then your heart renews your mind to what god really has and so when he began to speak this to me i could look back and i could see how this happened in my life everything he's ever told me i had to build a whole new a whole new room and he said well this is how you build a room. You build a room by faith. You know, God, God wants to make a room in this church for more people. Now, you know, we'll all be called upon to do more things. 
and, and we'll do whatever we're asked to do. But when we really will possess the land is when we build a room in our heart for all those people. When we really build a room for all those people. And that's when you can still do it even when people don't do what you think they should. See, when you build a room in your heart, that, with that comes the possession of the land of milk and honey where there's God's sufficiency. There's God's grace. There's everything you need to take care of that room. And so, you know, we all sang that song, Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. There's room in my heart for thee. Well, I mean, he comes in. But then that heart's got a lot of stuff, which he'll work on. You know, that's what the word cuts away. His grace helps it go away pain, less painfully. But in the midst of that, he begins to build rooms in our heart. And those rooms become rooms that are faith in our heart for more rooms that he wants to build. He's taking possession every time he builds a room of the land of milk and honey. I possess the land of milk and honey in tithing. Because he built a room of faith inside me to give. He did it. I mean, he asked me to give when I couldn't give. And he built that room in my heart to finally, I don't even think about that. I, I, wouldn't, I don't even think about that. See, it becomes like my life. It becomes because that room is bigger in my heart than when I just thought about what I could spend my money on. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, it's, it, that isn't there anymore because he built that room. He, he filled it with faith. He filled it with faith. And he began to say to me, the reason you're having trouble. Now, are you ready for this? I'm telling on myself to help you. The reason you're having trouble is because you are not calling those things I've told you to, into fruition. You're not calling things that are not as though they were. So I need you to to decorate the room with your faith. Your, your faith decorates the room. And it decorates the room with trust and promises that are going to bring you into that promised land in that room. Now, this is what happens when you give up. You, you stop decorating the room. You let go of possessing that promised land for you in that room. Uh, that song, all of the doors are open. You know, nothing is standing in my way. I mean, that is a faith song because that's true. Every door is open inside of you that you will allow God to build a room in. It's, it's open. It's open. And he will build that room. But you're, it's your faith that decorates that room. And if your faith doesn't grow, then that room never becomes all it's supposed to be. I, I was thinking about this last night, and I got a, a text from Elizabeth and uh, she was with Laurel and, and I think her daughter and my granddaughter. They painted the, the children's room down here. Now, you know, she showed me a picture of what she was going to do. Everybody say, that's faith. See, she saw that. And then she went in there and did that. And it's really cute. She decorated that room to look just like that picture. But she had to come in here and paint. I mean, she didn't go in there and go, <laughs> It's done. No, I mean, they came in, and they had to paint black paint that would make the magnets work, and then green paint. They spilled paint. They had to clean up paint. I mean, this was like a labor of love. But she had a vision that she saw for that room, and so she had to put into that room what, what it took to make that happen. And, and it's the same way in your life. You know, the things that God has promised you, 
you're going to have to get out your tools and, and begin with the word of God. The word of God is your greatest tool. It says in Hebrews 3, 11, 3, that God framed the world with his words. And so we have to begin to speak what we have seen God do. You know, uh, years ago when Pastor Bill and I, uh, we, were, we were building this church, and, and some of you heard the story. We went to where John was in school, and we saw him working on his room. And Bill said, God just told me, Pastor, that John's going to be, he, he, we're doing what we're doing, and he'll take this, and he'll go on with it, and he'll become the pastor of this church. Well, I'm thinking, are you sure? I mean, are you sure? Because, you know, he was just starting as a teacher. But my husband said, you know, I can tell when Pastor Bill's heard from God. I mean, the tears are pouring out his face. I thought, face, I thought, oh, boy, here we go. Well, we had to build a room. I mean, we had to help God with that. I mean, we had to speak. This is what's going to happen. And if you've been in this church all the way through, you know, when John became the pastor, you didn't go, oh, I never had a thought that would happen. No, because God had been building the room. And he had continued to build the room by faith, you know, by speaking what God said. See, there are rooms that God wants to build in your life. And nobody else is going to be able to do it. You have to decorate them. Somebody else can't decorate your room. But those are promises that are guaranteed because you live in the land of milk and honey. There is no question that your business cannot be all God has shown you because you live in the land of milk and honey. But there will be things that you'll have to get out your paintbrush, and and you know that because I've seen you do it. And every level, it's like this. God said to me, I want to build a new room. I go, I like the old room. Why do we have to build another one? I mean, I just, this is a nice room. He said, because we're going from glory to glory, and I'm the one who gets the glory, and I need another room to get the glory in. See, we're always thinking about, well, I, I, I'm okay. And as I've called about, you know, people and talked to them about helping in all these areas that with three services instead of two, I have been really blessed because nobody has said to me, I can't do that. In fact, most people say, I could, I'll do two instead of one. I'm thinking, man, we're building a room. We are decorating the room. And when God sees that, it releases that abundance into that room. I mean, there's going to be more people than we can contain. Why? Because we're willing to decorate the room. And and so in your life, I say to you tonight, you know, you may be in a position where you've said, you know what? Maybe I don't want to, I don't want to do another room. (laughs) You know, maybe you're there. Or maybe you've said, you know, this room isn't going so well. So, you know, I just think I'll just give up on this room. Well, there's a lot at stake. Number one, it's possessing the land of milk and honey. And there is nothing that can stop you from possessing the land of milk and honey because every tool that you need is right in this word, right here, right here, right here. And it has nothing to do with marital status. It doesn't have anything to do with where you're at in your life. It has everything to do with you already have inherited it. It's just do you want to do something with what you got. It's like you got land. Now do you want to build on it? That's basically what it is. God has given you the promised land. And I believe that for every one of us. And I believe it's time to possess the land. We've inherited a lot. But now possessing is our part.
God gave it to us, but we're got to do something with it. Amen. How many of you got some land you'd like to? Yeah. Amen. Let's. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.